whatever Jesus has done in you, it's but a drop in the bucket compared to what your future can hold. But it means we have a posture of humility, check the ego at the door, inviting Jesus to the deeper places, um, the inner being, deep transformation. If you want deep empowerment, you gotta go for deep transformation. If you, if you pursue empowerment alone, it, history would say it quickly leads to idolatry. But if you, if you pursue deep transformation, Jesus will also accompany that with his deep empowerment and will protect us from um, idolizing just the things we can do for God. Welcome to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast, Resurgence Initiatives Podcast. Our heart is to see a movement of leaders released in all spheres of society and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never before has there been such a need for good leadership. We're on a journey to be equipped, encouraged, and empowered. Join our conversations as we talk spirit-empowered leadership and see God's kingdom at work through God's people everywhere they go. Well, hello. We want to welcome you back to another episode of the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. My name is Travis Alonia, and this is Donovan Beyer, and uh, we're really excited to to just jump into our conversation this week. And uh, Donovan, how are you? Oh, I'm doing really good. It's been a good week, and uh, just looking forward to learning a bit more about being a Spirit Empowered Leader. Yeah, we've been um, kind of on a journey in both you and I, but also the ministry that we lead, Resurgence. Um, one of the themes that I would say of that I've preached on probably the most over the years, I know it's it's near and dear to your heart as well, is this idea of wholeness. It's one of the values we have as a ministry of being whole and how uh, knowing that we're sons and daughters uh, of a really good God allows us to live that out in freedom and have healthy hearts. And um, our guest today is Doug Balzer, and we'll, we'll get into that and introduce him in a few minutes. But but our, our conversation today is going to be all around the idea of wholeness and how as leaders, spirit-empowered leaders, it is so key to have healthy hearts, to know our identity and to walk in that, and, and Donovan, I was speaking at a church this past weekend, mm. and one of the stories that I shared was in Mark 8, where Jesus touches this blind man at Bethsaida. And it says that he touched him once, and the guy could see Jesus as a tree. He was blurry, and yet there was some sight. And, I, and I'm so reminded of, and God spoke to me a few years ago, that it's so key and crucial as leaders that we see Jesus correctly because if we see him correctly we can see ourselves correctly and for me mm -hmm. uh, that's that's been a heart journey of where's the insecurities in Travis where's the fears where's the wounds I grew up in a great Christian home but I had wounds and I had fears and I had insecurities and I think we're all on a journey wouldn't wouldn't you say so on on, on becoming healthy what, what's your thoughts on this yeah, absolutely. I think wholeness is one of those things that's like a lifelong journey. Like God wants to take us deeper and deeper and deeper into places of healing, knowing who he is, knowing our identity in him. It's actually uh, really important and an amazing journey to be on is a, a journey to wholeness. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is so key to, to figure out, you know, the the lies or the things that, that are holding us back. And sometimes we, mm -hmm. we like to bury them. We like to run away. We like to just like, I'm not going to see uh, a counselor, a psychologist. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to move on. But here's what I found. The more I stuff them down, 
the more they come out. And when triggers or things in my leadership happen, when someone quits my team, all of a sudden there's a wound of rejection that when I was bullied uh, in grade seven comes up and I, and I feel that rejection and I have to deal with it and I have to navigate that. Our, our guest today, he said one thing that I, that I haven't forgotten. We had him speak a little while ago at one of our resurgence events. And he said this, encounter is not going up, it's going deep within. How God wants to encounter mm. us deep within our hearts and strengthen our innermost being. And I think that's so mm. key. How are some things that you found that that revival journey, that spirit-led journey happen deep in your heart? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really cool because um, just the more that I've gotten to understand the places that God wants to heal me from and the more confident I've been of my identity as his son, the more that's freed me up to be a spirit-led leader. I think when we're leading out of our own flesh and out of our own wounding, uh, we can actually be dangerous. Like we can cause wounding in other people and things like that. Um, but actually kind of a cool story for, uh, in relation to my own heart wholeness is when I was really kind of new on this journey, I had the opportunity once to speak at one of our resurgence events and I was super nervous about it. I had this, like, I was like, Oh man, are people going to like what I have to say? Do I have anything good to say? I had all this insecurity and stuff bubbling up in me. And some of these areas that I needed healing in was still kind of, um, being highlighted. But I remember during worship, um, rather than giving into those feelings, rather than letting those feelings overwhelm me, I actually went to the back of the room that we were in and I knelt down on the floor and I just said, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Who do you say that I am? And it was really cool because I sensed the Lord's spirit say to me at that time, I already approve of you. I'm already proud of you. You haven't said a word yet from the pulpit, but I'm already proud of you. And that was one of those moments where I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is who God says I am. And I don't have to minister out of those fears and insecurities. I can minister out of knowing who I am as his son. And uh, that's just one example of many where God's, the, where this journey to wholeness has actually really empowered me and enabled me to minister from a healthy place. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of jumped right into the conversation today. But I just also want to say, if you're new watching this uh, podcast, this episode, we're so glad you joined us. Uh, we're so glad you joined us on a journey. We're just two leaders that feel that and know that the Spirit has called us to lead and empowered us to lead. And we're trying to figure that out. We're on a journey ourselves. We don't have this figured out. We don't have the market cornered. We, we just know that we are called to be Spirit-empowered leaders. And so we've invited you on this journey. And we're going to talk to some friends uh, over the next few episodes and just, just learn and grow together and believe that God is building a community of people all over the world, wherever you're watching from, that, that are going to track together and go, hey, we're called to be a spirit-empowered leader. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a mom. Maybe you're a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or you're a pastor. Whoever you are, wherever you are, God has called you to lead. He's put his spirit in you. And we believe that spirit-empowered leadership uh, is a call for each one of us to, to really, you know, there's a leader in every chair. And we just kind of go, how does that look? How do we step into that? And, and one of the, the things that is so key, and, and you know what, you'll hear this, won't you, Donovan? Probably every time we talk in every one of these things mm -hmm. is it comes back to the heart. Because I think it's so key what you mm -hmm. said. Hurt, hurt people, hurt people. We, we've always seen that. Mm -hmm. um, but I've just noticed that if I don't take care of my heart, if I'm not uh, stewarding my heart and going, God, I, I need to forgive. I need right when that bitterness tries to come in or that hurt or offense. I mean, if you've been around the church for any period of time, uh, you have hurt. <laughs> you have some hurt. Why? Because 
uh, people have wounds and they're all around us. And uh, I know in leadership, there's there's been stuff where people have thrown it on me and I've had to I've had to really know how to respond and go, God, I want to respond out of hurt right now <laughs> because that, that really hurts. Mm. And yet, how do you yeah. navigate that? And so, and you would know that in, mm-hmm. in pastoring young adults and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you let that insecurity and that uh, those hurts be what guides you, it <laughs> it's really hard to be led by the Holy Spirit, just to be frank. And, uh, and it's a journey of, it's, it, and, and sometimes we do lead out of that place and it's not about shame. It's not about making us feel guilty. It's about repenting and asking the Holy Spirit to, to shine his light on our hearts so that we're not ministering out of that hurt anymore. And we can identify that hurt so that the spirit can come and lead us. But I might be stealing some of Doug's thunder. So I'm looking forward to what he's going to have to say to us today. Without further ado, we'll get into our interview with Doug Balzer. Well, we're really excited today to have a friend of ours join us. Uh, His name is Dr. Doug Balzer. And uh, Doug is someone that I had met actually by his reputation and by the fruit of his ministry long before I met him. Um, Donovan and I, we were in a a prayer group with a a bunch of young adult pastors. And one of those young adult pastors start praying and they start going, hey, what's the lie you're believing? What's the truth? And they start ministering. And I said, where did you learn to to pray like that, to to really see your heart come healthy like that? And he said, through the ministry of Doug and Terry Balzer. And so I said, I don't know who this guy is, but I want to meet him. And a couple of years later, we got to meet and just spend some time together. And I just, I loved his heart. And he uh, has his doctorate in global leadership. He has written two books and we'll we'll get him to tell us about those at the end of it, but the Empowerment Pivot, um, How God is Redefining Your View of Normal. And then he's also written uh, Light Up the Dark, Restoring, Healing, and um, Deliverance to Disciple Making. And uh, he is the director of Rekindle. He has his own podcast. So you can you can search and Google him and, and listen to a lot of amazing podcasts he's put out. He's also a director of innovation for the Western Canadian District of the Christian Missionary Alliance in Canada. Lives in Calgary, husband to Terry and has two boys. And uh, we're, we're excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good to see you, Travis and Donovan. Uh, yeah, you're, you're increasingly feeling like old friends rather than new faces. Great to be with you. <laughs> That's so uh, good, Doug. Before we get into some of the, the the meat and potatoes, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, some of your interests, some of your hobbies, like what gets you excited just spending your time? Uh, I'm I'm a builder. Uh, I would say that's part of my identity for 30 years. I've been either building Mm -hmm. houses or guitars or furniture or canoes and those kinds of things. So I tend to view the world through building, even in ministry. I I tend to view the world through uh, what are the foundations? Are, are they, are they strong? Are they stable? And what can be built on, on top of that? And, you know, also have a, a, a real obsession in a sense that the generations that might follow me might build on top of me. So mm. I, I would dream of people who are in their teens and 20s and 30s and 40s right now, that they would achieve things uh, in the kingdom and see God's glory manifest that are beyond what I would experience in my lifetime. I think that's how it's meant to be. And that's one of the reasons why I really resonate uh, with uh, Resurgence, because uh, you are giving yourselves to um, equip and blow wind into uh, multiple generations, uh, more so on the younger side than on the older side. 
And so that's that's what's captured my heart. Yeah, married to Terry, a high school sweetheart, two boys, both in their twenties. One one's married off, and um, yeah. Well, these days I would say a hobby is observing uh, the global macro uh, trends, uh, economically, politically, and so forth. Uh, just three days ago, Rekindle published something called the Trend Tracker: nine seismic shifts affecting mission. And so we're mm-hmm. assessing uh, global risks and opportunities related to technology and economics and geopolitics and uh, renewal and disciple making. If anyone's interested in that, go to rekindle.tv and there's a free download there. So that's kind of a side hobby is watching what's going on in the world. Uh, A lot of people that uh, the Lord used in history had their Bible in one hand and their newspaper in the other. And we're observing how the kingdom of God is, is emerging in the midst of a global context. That's so cool. Um, knowing, knowing a little bit about you, Doug, you've been a pastor for many years. Um, and you, you, you know, we, we've been talking about spirit empowered leadership and I mean, we all believe in leadership. We've all read the John Maxwell books. We've all, um, went to seminars and we want to be better leaders. And how, how has your journey, um, can you take us how your journey has kind of, um, there's an emphasis now rekindle and the things you're doing on a spirit empowered leader. And that maybe wasn't always your story. And, and how did, how did you kind of get to that place in your journey? Yeah, I think there's multiple places where a person could pursue a deeper expression of the life of Christ. And, and I will directly answer your question. Um, you know, some people want more of Jesus, so they pursue him. That was not my my journey. Uh, some people want more empowerment um, or even more freedom in their soul. And that was not my journey. My journey was I wanted less torment. Hmm. So I was really desperate, to be frank. And it was about 2010. And, you know, you can punt to anyone who's younger than me out there, which is a lot. I'm in my early 50s. But, you know, you can punt some things in our character when, when we're in our 20s and 30s. But eventually they catch up to us. And I was in my very early 40s or right around 40. And I was noticing character uh, issues that were cyclical in nature. Um, Anger was having too much of a role in my life. And it was showing up in relationships, including family relationships. And I had no idea where it came from. You know, I've been schooled well in the in the art of behavioral management or behavioral modification, but boy, that's got a shelf life. And I, I went through a, a season of absolute desperation. Um, I, I would say at one point, I almost had a nervous breakdown. I found myself quite literally in the, not figuratively, literally in the fetal position in the Christian counselor's office, not knowing what to do. And I was a pastor. I was ordained. I was serving in the district office, you know, all of these things. But yet my internal world was, was anything but empowered uh, by, the, by the life of Christ through his spirit. And so I just got really desperate with God. I, I said, I'm not giving you a plan B. You have got to come through. I do not know where the manifestations of poor character and inner torment and lack of contentment, I did not know where they came from. I could see the dashboard lights flashing, but had no clue of its Mm -hmm. origins. Mine was just get me out of this God. And, Mm -hmm. and he began to move. He he began to reveal things to me. And and, I mean, that's kind of the, maybe you want to dive into those things. I don't know, but that that was the, the trigger to my journey. 
I was mm. screwed up. Um, and I had to admit it. And if I'm God, God's really responsive to people who say, come and help me at a really deep level. Totally. And you mentioned something really briefly there, Doug, about behavioral modification and how it wasn't really doing much for you. And and I tend to think of this this journey towards wholeness. And, and oftentimes we can have this idea, if I just work harder, if I just try harder, then maybe I'll enter into wholeness. But obviously that wasn't working for you. Can you just speak to some of those people who, who kind of are at that level? Like maybe if I just work a little harder, I'll be able to fix this. Well, you know, there are some things that are our part and there are some things that are God's part. So there is an element of the spiritual disciplines, which are sorely underrated, mm. but spiritual disciplines so quickly devolve into box checking, you know, did I do my thing today, rather than are these disciplines a conduit to meet the person of Jesus through his spirit? Mm. Well, there is a there is a our part and there is a there is a God's part. And Ephesians uh, 3, 16, 17, 18, real operatal uh, verse there that Paul is praying. So who's Paul writing to? He's writing to the believers in Ephesus. So do these people have the spirit? Yes, they have the spirit. They're believers. But then he says, I'm praying that your inner being would be strengthened through the spirit so that Christ can dwell in your hearts through faith. So what's the inner being? Well, you might call it the soul, but it's it's the, the private part. It's it's deep inside us, that place that we think no one knows and is often really shadowy in places and bright in places. So I, for me, it was inviting the light of God. Um, and this will be a Rob Reamer quote, to, to invite the light of God deep into the shadowy places of my soul, to invite that light, not as an intruder, but as a friend. Hmm. That's good. And the Holy Spirit does that real well. He can convict us. That leads to righteousness and not condemnation. And I, frankly, I need, needed the help of somebody. Now, I've written um, the Empowerment Pivot to hopefully be something of a guide towards that. But most of us need something of a guide to go where we've never gone before. So for me, that was that was one motivator or one pathway, letting Jesus into the deep place. And and the, and the prayer that I've, I continue to pray these days, and even I had a sabbatical this summer, and I invited God to put me on the surgical table, if he wished, and he did, and he went even deeper. And there's a there's a, a theological conviction that would be really helpful for people, and it kind of goes like this. Do you believe God is an infinite being, like yes or no? And perhaps most people listening to this podcast have some relationship with Christ. So, you know, I think the answer would be yes, he's infinite. And if that's true, then there's no end to what he can do in our transformation. So instead of getting content and saying, I think I've reached some level I can coast on, there's always a deeper level of freedom that all of us can have. And so that that's not where I started in my journey, but that's what keeps me going. Like, I don't have everything figured out. I'm, I'm still inviting Jesus to the deep places in my soul. And coming back to, I didn't finish the thought, like one of the, the greatest prayers that I've ever prayed is, Jesus, I give you access to the things I don't know where the sources are. So I see the dashboard lights flashing yellow or red on the dashboard of my life. I give you access to go to those deep places. And I don't know where those deep places are because I didn't know where my character deficiencies were emerging from. But in the same way that when I accepted Christ and I said, come live in my heart, I had no clue what I was doing theologically, but God 
rode on that highway that I gave him permission to, and he came and redeemed me and you. So we can use a similar dynamic to inviting him to places that we don't know how deep or how messed up we are. But when we let his light shine on those deep places, turns out he's a pretty good redeemer. Hmm. It's really, it reminds me of Psalm 139, right? The end of David's prayer there where he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything in me and then lead me on the way everlasting. Yeah, that's really good. I have so many conversations with leaders uh, and and I'm not throwing them under the bus because I I have had a similar tendency, but they'll they'll talk about stuff in their life and they'll say, well, have you, have you invited Jesus to reveal to you what's underneath that issue? Mm -hmm. Like I'm really depressed, really fearful. I'm scared. I'm discouraged. Well, have you asked Jesus to show you what's underneath that? Well, no, I'm, most of us get lost in the self-analysis game or just finding another person to, uh, you know, kind of dump on and they'll pat ourselves in the back and you'll be okay. But how can we transcend that and say, Jesus, for whatever it is I'm facing here, can you take me to the root of that matter? It's good. Can you show me what's really going on in my heart and in my soul? Ephesians 3, in the inner being. I mean, you've, we're used the word whole. Well, we are, we are connected people. Uh, we are integrated people, our body, soul, and spirit. And sometimes we make too much of spirit and too less of soul or too much about body or not enough about body. Like all of these things are, are integrated and, mm-hmm. and Jesus wants to work through all of these things. Mm-hmm. So you, you were saying that you had this, this moment um, again, maybe it was a, it was a, not just a moment, but this, this time in your life where you're in, in the counselor in a psychologist, Christian counselor's office, you're in the fetal position that started from what I hear you saying, a renewal journey, kind of a journey of going, I need, I need more. And, um, and tell us a little more about that and, and just kind of how, how that led you. Well, the person that I was, uh, who was helping me, um, a, a woman Christian counselor in, uh, in this region, um, she was doing that what many others do, and that is playing the role of guide. And in partnership with me, in partnership with the Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal where he would like to go. If, if I would have chosen where he would want to go, I, I would have chosen a different area of my life. But when he reveals what he wants to do, it has an exponential rather than an incremental effect in our lives. So... Yeah, in, in that particular case, she asked the Holy Spirit to reveal to me if there was any memory that the Holy Spirit wanted to reveal Christ to. And a memory came, and she just simply prayed, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus, which is really core to the Spirit's job description, to reveal Christ, right? And yeah, there was a very painful memory that I would never have even wanted to have surfaced. And in that memory, now the presence of Jesus is there. So many of us have some broken memories. If you have a broken memory, like a memory of brokenness, and if Jesus isn't in it, then you've got a great opportunity because Jesus is above all time. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And if Jesus isn't part of our broken memories, then we have an incomplete memory. And we can invite the Holy Spirit to reveal the person of Christ and his intention. And and that's what it was desperation that triggered my renewal journey. But then I began to discover a couple of things like, wow, we can really hear the voice of Jesus. And oh my goodness, he works miracles. And I didn't know that the person of Christ was so accessible 
you know, I, I know he was ethereal, conceptual. He's Lord of the Church, but I, I didn't know, I didn't realize he was that accessible to empower his church to do the works of what he did, proclaiming the gospel, healing the sick, setting captives free. Like this is this is why he came. So my journey is more of a person who has really screwed up, um, discovering Jesus is way better than I knew, and there's room for everyone on this train. Yeah. And what, and what, so on, on this renewal journey, and now you're helping others come into um, how, how to lead, how to lead their lives, their ministries, how to come into renewal, how to make disciples do mission. What, what are some things that you're seeing with in spirit empowered leaders? What, what would you see the greatest obstacle to someone like me or Donovan or someone listening, stepping into their destiny? What, what are the things that if you would speak to your younger self, maybe, uh, what would you, what would you want to say? Yeah, just just one kind of a, a comment on the first part of what you said, and then I'll answer the second part. Uh, you know, we would do well to not pursue renewal as a primary orientation. Um, I, I operate from the framework that the church really only has one primary mandate, and that is to make disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples. And the renewal part is more the spirit-empowered part towards that. And there's, I would say there's two sides of the coin in the renewal. One is uh, more freedom and empowerment for the believer. Sorry, more freedom for the believer. And then the other side is more empowerment towards ministry. So, and this is what Rekindle is all about. You know, we're, we're trying to catalyze disciple-making beyond the walls of the church in the empowerment of the spirit. Um, but what was the second part of your question? What would you say to a, to a younger uh, Doug on this? Or what, what are um, some of the barriers? I would say um, not exclusively, but significantly, lay people have been more open to the deeper transformation of the soul and therefore the deeper empowerment of the spirit than people who are pastors or our elders, you know, some real formal role of ministry, whether it's paid or not. And I think I can understand it. I don't condemn them for, for what, at least what I'm observing, and I may not be accurate, but it is my observation. And that is, in our world, those who have formal um, clergy kind of roles in the church, we're, we're sort of raised to be the answer man, the answer woman. And it's really hard to discover the infinitude of Jesus unless we come to him and say, I have got infinitely more to learn and discover than what I have discovered. Whereas a lot of lay people, they don't have that, or at least to the same degree, that kind of uh, inhibition, you know. So again, I don't, I don't fault leaders for that, but to, to whether, you, whether whoever's listening here is sort of a clergy person, pastor, or a lay person, or a leader in the church, just shelve ego at the door and, mm. and, and rest on the theological truth that you cannot come to the end of your experience with Jesus. So uh, years ago, I and increasingly many people are saying, I'm grateful for what I've experienced in him, but, but it is a drop in the bucket compared to what Jesus would have for us in knowing him, in walking deeply with him, in intimacy with him, in the discovery of the freedom that we can have in Christ internally, in our own minds, against the schemes of the enemy, uh, let alone empowerment uh, towards ministry and living holy lives that are uh, infectious to people who 
um, don't have the the kind of foundation that we have. So yeah, letting go, letting go of ego, being authentic, getting real with yourself. Oh, so good. Um, follow up what you were saying is, and I, and I kind of, there seems to be, there can be almost two, two streams or maybe three. We can, we can be like living our lives as leaders going, Hey, that we believe Holy spirit came inside of us when we said yes to Jesus, but not really living that hearing the voice of God walking in that on the other side, we can be doing all that. But if we're not really on mission, we're not making disciples, then we're really missing the key aspect of, of the mission and calling that God has for us. And I mean, in Acts 2, the Spirit came to give them power for witness. Um, yeah. So there is a real key part of that. Um, so you can almost in, in two places, people may be listening and you, you can find yourself kind of on two, two ditches of the road of going, hey, I'm, I'm all for the Spirit. And yet, you know, there's, there's not a lot of fruit there of mission. And then I'm all, I'm not sure about the spirit. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe the gifts have ceased. Um, and yet, you know, so kind of coming, is that a balance or where would you? No, that's a, Travis, that's a great question. That's a question that we've been asking for some time. So as you mentioned, I'm part of the Alliance Canada. And, you know, one of our historical doctrines is the deeper life and mission. It's called the dynamic link between deeper life and mission. In other words, the more Holy Spirit has empowerment of you, the, the greater your effective mission will be. And we've been on this journey for about a 10 years as a, you know, a national denomination of um, going through uh, programs like soul care and Holy Spirit encounter and rediscovering the personal work of the Holy Spirit. And lots of people are getting set free, inner healing, lots of believers, lay people, clergy are going through deliverance and finding that they didn't have to listen to that voice of condemnation. Those things can really be put to put to rest, to death, etc. But here's so that's the one side of it, as you note, as you noted. But then what we discovered, and I even have a friend, uh, Kyle Harnett, who did his doctoral work on this, is how is that or how is it not being translated into mission beyond the walls of the church? And so, quite uh, candidly, this is just a, a living experiment that we're in. But our current wisdom is that it's not just spirit empowerment. So if you take a look at the, the life of Jesus, he modeled mission to his followers. So when his disciples, uh, Pentecost, when the spirit came, dozens, if not hundreds, have observed the way of Jesus, how he loved people, how he communicated the gospel verbally, tangibly, etc., how to make a disciple. So they had that. They had that um, that coaching background, that mentoring, modeling background. So perhaps they could step into it more quickly. But it, I would argue, in the last thirty or forty years of the church, thirty years of the church, we've got we've got two deficits. One, uh, modeling disciple making has not been strong in the church growth movement. And there are good things that occurred during the church growth movement, but it was more of a come and see. If you build it, they will come approach, as opposed to go out into the world. And so in so many places in North America right now, and that's, um, I'm heading to a conference in a couple of days that are talking about how is God developing disciple-making movements in the North American context. We have to learn these things from scratch, as it were. So that's one deficit. And the other is during the church growth movement, um, the, the focus on the transformation of the Christian deeply in the soul was, was not widely talked about. So 
we say to our people, go and proclaim the good news. But what I've discovered in, and Light at the Dark has some of my research on that, the statistics, the statistics would suggest that by and large, people in the church aren't experiencing good news. So they, they know Jesus. They know where they're going after they die. But they are not experiencing an overflow of the person of Christ because he has healed their emotions and redeemed their story. And the schemes of the enemy against them have really been put to death. So if they're not experiencing good news, why would they be motivated to go and share good news? But we are mm -hmm. finding that people go on a longer journey of the redemption of the soul. And I will be one of them, too, even as I've um, began to make disciples in my own neighborhood. It's it's not so much an obligatory thing, but it's an overflow of what the goodness that Jesus has given me. And I can't help but share that for others now. So I think we have a lot of work to do on both sides, the inner transformation of the believer and the mentoring of how to make a disciple. One of, one of the things that I, I was talking with Donovan before, and we were just kind of talking about in, in our journeys and um, as leaders, as young leaders developing, there's been seasons where, uh, you know, and you talk about healthy leader and dealing with the enemy schemes or, or, or that is where, you know, I'll be leading in a situation and um, someone will quit my leadership team or something will happen. And it'll if I don't watch and if I don't deal with stuff in my heart and I don't get healthy and whole, it'll trigger things and I'll I'll, I'll respond or I'll react out of, you know, the rejection that when I was bullied in grade seven. And all of a sudden that, that wound or that thing, if I haven't dealt with it and go, you know, and a generation, some generations have, you know, and we can easily do that. Just shove it down, push it away. I, I'm redeemed. I'm in Jesus. I don't need to, you know, get in a counselor's office and share my emotions and feelings. I just need to press on. And yet you, you see it, you see, you know, the, the old adage, hurt people, hurt people. And um, and that's been a real, like you shared, the dashboard lights. And so as, as a leader, how, how do you, I mean, you've had that experience, but I'm thinking of others watching today. And how, how do you start dealing with those things? Like, how do you actually practically go, hey, I want to be a healthy leader. I don't want to have wounds I'm carrying around like a backpack. How do I, how do I unload those? Well, it's a great question, Travis. And in a, in a general sense, it will look different as we go through life. Uh, you know, to make some gross generalizations here, uh, when, when men and women are in their 20s, they're asking the question, do I have what it takes for whatever it is? And so that, that voice is really loud and that will be answered in different ways. And, and then when we're in our 30s, it's like, am I good enough? Am I failing? And you know, you get later in life, um, even my age, it's more of what legacy am I leaving? And are there younger leaders that I'm pouring into? Um, to directly answer your question, I guess I'm doing this all the time. First of all, indirectly answering your question and then directly responding to your question. Um, at the sound, at the risk of sound like a commercial. So this Light Up the Dark book that you mentioned, um, Restoring Healing and Deliverance to Disciple Making. The first 250 years of the church, deliverance prior to baptism was a requirement. In most places in the known world, they would not allow Christians to enter the baptism waters unless they've gone through deliverance. It was just, it was just so common wow. in, in that time frame in different parts wow. of that world. Um, 
And, and they use the imagery, obviously, a baptism of the horse and rider thrown into the sea. So your enemies are really being killed. But there is, um, I would say, naivety or unbelief as to the extent of the schemes of, enemy, of the enemy against believers. So I don't, I don't believe Christians are possessed by demons. I believe Christians are possessed by Jesus. He owns us. He lives in us. But if you look at some of the classical passages in the New Testament, like uh, Ephesians 5, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Who's he writing to? He's writing to Christians. So what he's saying is a Christian can um, have a foothold of the enemy in their life. Or Ephesians 6, just the next chapter over, like the armor of God, put these things on so that you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. In other words, you cannot take your stand. You can come under the schemes of the enemy. And so in my doctoral studies, which I summarize and light up the dark, I, um, my, my uh, research was on um, dozens of Christian leaders who have gone through a similar form of de uh, deliverance and healing. And let me read a few stats to you. It's staggering. So these are Christian leaders. I limited it to Christian leaders because I thought if it was lay people, Christian leaders would then go, oh, yeah, lay people are really screwed up. But we as Christian leaders, we've got everything together, which we all know isn't true. But here are some stats of the of those Christian leaders who went through deliverance. Seventy eight percent of them noted a marked decrease in condemning thoughts. Eighty three percent, a marked decrease in shame. Seventy two percent, a marked decrease in fear of failure. Um, Sixty three percent, a marked decrease in comparing self to others. So what do these stats say? If, if, my, if my sample group is representative of the church broadly, and I think it is, because I, I have pastors, elders, missionaries, denominational leaders in this, if this group is at all representative to listeners here in this room, what that would say is, if a person is experiencing condemning thoughts, there could be a 78% chance the enemy is involved. Now, it's never just the enemy. You know, we have a part to play in this, too. Or if someone really has a fear of failure, 72 percent, or if they wrestle with anxiety, there could be a 75 percent chance that the enemy is in play here. And so we, we just need to get back to what the early church was doing in the apostolic era in the first couple hundred years of the church, where they prioritized the internal transformation of believers prior to prior to baptism in most places. So, hey, you've come to Christ. Welcome to the kingdom. Now, before we go through the baptism waters, and I quote one of the early church fathers, let us chase off the devils. <laughs> or my terms, hey, you're, you're, you're redeemed in Christ. You got a few dust bunnies stick to your butt. Let us help you free, be freed of the enemy's schemes. Otherwise, he'll just want to ramp up his hold to keep you ineffective in the kingdom. Yeah, Doug, you're really just giving language to a lot of cool things that God's done in my own journey. Like, um, I know in, in my own journey to wholeness and healing, there's been lots of different things that God's revealed to me about who he is. And uh, I just remember like false guilt was one of those things that he had to heal me from. And that came through counseling, like it came through seeing a counselor and a therapist and just helping me deal with what's actually from God and what's the truth. And uh, I, I'm just curious, I'm sure a lot of us, a lot of people listening might be wondering, like, what, what's the actual process? Like, is there, are you encouraging people to see a counselor? Are you encouraging people to find like a, a prayer ministry in their area or their region? Or are there resources or things that people might be able to go to if they're, they're the spirits inclining them, even from our conversation today? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, you know, my, my focus, Terry and I, we, we, we could quickly set up a like a deliverance 
in our healing ministry, and we'd be very busy. Our focus is on focusing local churches. We we, mm-hmm. we have little desire to replicate what ought to be ground zero um, mm-hmm. wheelhouse of the local church. So we're much more focused towards that. But that doesn't always answer the question of someone listening to this. Well, where where could I go? Well, I'd say one: go ask your pastor, and let, let's put the heat on church leaders and also help them and resource them. What I do probably shouldn't exist outside the church. And often parachurch organizations are like that. We're doing things that perhaps belong to the church, but in the absence of it. But but that's that doesn't mean there aren't places to go. Um, let, let me list, list a few things. So uh, Light Up the Dark isn't a how-to book, but it lays a biblical, theological, historical foundation for why healing and deliverance ought to be the norm for the church in making disciples. Uh, the other book I wrote, The Empowerment Pivot, How God is Redefining Our View of Normal, that can be something of a pathway for people to help them build faith. There's a lot of narrative in there. Um, some of it's instructive for how they could begin to more deeply invite the light of Christ into the depths of their being. So I, I put more hope in people, uh, more faith in people who are inviting Jesus to take them on a deeply transformational journey than I do the Christian counselor. Now, when both are involved, that can be fantastic. But to put it all on the counselor, but not have that personal surrender, desperation before Jesus, I think is probably a misnomer. Uh, a great book that leads people through the work of the soul so is called Soul Care by Rob Reamer. For all you Mennonites out there, he spells it like Reimer, but he assures me it's Reamer. Um, uh, Terry and I lead a number of conferences every year that lead people on like a three or four day journey through soul care, which includes um, a deliverance and the filling of the spirit. And uh, we are hope- hopefully going to have about three or four more of those populated in the next six or eight mm. months. Um, but those, those are some, some resources uh, to go and pursue on rekindle.tv. There's lots of podcasts on this, and you can hear other people's journey. And, and a lot of most of my transformation did not happen in a conference, and it did not happen with a counselor. Most of my big moments of Christ breaking through came on the heels of a season of desperation, prayer and mm-hmm. fasting, in a sense, demanding, God, you need to break through and get deep with me because I don't know where the hell these red dash light flashes are coming from. Just being mm-hmm. as candid as I can. That was my approach. I really needed to change. And I didn't know how to. I didn't know where to start. Well, thanks for bringing your own journey into this, Doug. It just, uh, it's just really real. And I'm sure a lot of leaders can relate to, to some of these things. Uh, but your, your mentioning of soul care reminded me of, of another question that's kind of been burning on my heart as you've been talking. And, and it reminded me of it because I, I, I go for a walk with, a, with another leader. He's a pastor here in the city. We go on a prayer walk together every week. And part of our, what, at one time we were like, let's go through soul care together. And we kind of would read a chapter a week and we would talk about it on our walk. And, uh, I just I think one of the things that Travis and I noticed during COVID is that a lot of Christian leaders are really lonely and they really need a relationship and they really need people to come around them and uh, and just to be completely honest with and vulnerable with. And uh, I'm just curious, kind of what do you see as the role of healthy relationships in in being led by the spirit and in wholeness? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, the older framework that's been around for a while is the accountability group. And it has merit, but it can go much deeper than just that. Um, 
what I value in my life and what I have seen to be very instructive for others is a framework that I picked up from uh, Rod Reamer and a guy named Martin Sanders, who's the director of the Doctor of Ministry program at uh, um, Alliance University Seminary in, um, in Manhattan. And they talk about a full life confession. So we, we always teach this at our soul care conferences, a full life confession. So you get together with another person or two, book yourself three hours and get way, way deeper than accountability. Because accountability is about behavioral. Can you can you hold me account for my behavior? It has mm. merit, but it, it, it does not automatically mean it's going to be transformational. So here's a framework of a, a full life confession. Um, zero self-analysis, complete surrender to the spirit. So if, if I'm doing my full life confession with you two, Travis and Donovan, one of you would just simply say, ask Holy Spirit what you're supposed to share. And I share it, even if it makes no sense. It's not a linear progression of my life. And I've done this with a, a good friend of mine, Sandy, and I was surprised at the stories that Holy Spirit wanted me to share. I didn't think they were significant, but they became very significant to break the holds of darkness or or shame or whatever it was. And so you share the story. And then you, Donovan, would say, well, that story's now in the light. It's uh, we hold you no shame against you. That Jesus has forgiven you. We declare you forgiven. You know, Jesus says that we could have the power to forgive sins. I think that's what he means. You, Donovan, could say, Douglas Balzer, you are forgiven. I declare you forgiven. And then I ask Holy Spirit, is there anything else? Is there anything else? Is there anything else? And we go until we're done. And I know people who have taken three days to do this because they had such history to work out. But it's it's completely driven by the Spirit. But here's the point of it. It gets down to what are the root issues. So my, my anger manifesting in my early 30s really went back to some moments of pain when I was in my childhood. But I wasn't able to connect the dots. But the Holy Spirit was. So if, we, if we're walking in deep transparency with one another, like if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Um, but that, that requires uh, some vulnerability and not just trying to look good in front of other people. In this in this season that we've come through, um, COVID and the, and the years of the pandemic, it's been a few years now, um, I've, I've heard more people talking about grief um, and, and their wounds and, and kind of dealing in, and we've chatted a little bit, um, about, you know, just uh, there's wound grief and there's sometimes things that we do to deal with those wounds. And what would be some of those signs or things that we would, um, that, that we, as leaders, uh, tend to do with our grief instead of dealing with it? Have you found? Yeah, that's, uh, another, what a, what a keen topic. And there's a real, uh, um, dearth of, of of great resources on grief, maybe because nobody wants to talk about it. But um, yeah, kind of kind of two sides to that. Uh, it, it's quite predictable that if if you are experiencing, like you guys or listeners or whoever, if you are experiencing disproportionate reactions or underreactions to emotional situations, there's likely unprocessed wound, wounds and grief. So if if you feel, feel hurt or offended, and objectively it should be a three out of ten, but it feels like an eight out of ten, or conversely, if if a social situation requires you to be sympathetic or empathetic at a seven, but you can barely get past a two, it's likely because there's some kind of unprocessed wounds or grief there, and we we bury these things, 
And uh, yeah, we, we, we teach on this a lot uh, these days, especially in Western Canada, because there's some, there's some sociological reasons why as a region, uh, we are poor, poor at grieving, grieving than other areas. But um, maybe, a, maybe a brief illustration of this would, a story might illustrate it the best. So um, I was adopted at birth. The first person I was ever going to meet was uh, a daughter that was to be born to Terry and I. Um, about uh, four years into our marriage. I was looking very much forward to meeting uh, this kid. Uh, born a daughter, and then she was born with massive congenital heart defects, and then died three months later. So the only person on the planet that I ever met biologically um, was taken from me. And I didn't grieve that for about 18 years and got the help of a coach, not a counselor, but someone who coached me through it. And the pathway was simply me and Jesus on a park bench, and Lord Jesus, is, uh, is there anything of the, the loss of my daughter that you want to meet me in? And he brought to mind an image of the day of her funeral that I had stuffed, that I had not processed. It's a longer story. I'm trying to abbreviate it. It's, it's the story I start the Empowerment Pivot with, this very story. And Sure enough, there was a, a very painful memory of that day of her funeral that I had stuffed. But now Jesus was in the room with me in that moment. And he began to redeem my grief. So grief isn't something that gets healed and goes away. Grief is something that we process. And we can process it on our own, or we can process it with a friend, um, or we can process it in the presence of Christ. And I do agree, these days there's a lot of people who are uh, have amplified grief because uh, COVID and its effects have amplified pre-existing wounds and grief. And I also think for a lot of people in the church, what they are currently grieving is the uh, the loss of what they had for a vision of what God might do. And the societal shifts that we are experiencing that are increasingly placing the church not only on the margin, but increasingly as uh, the enemy of, of society for our stances on positions and perspectives on the number of, of levels. And so, some of that grief, I think, is, is God-ordained because there are some things in the church we need to die to if we're going to embrace what the Lord is going to do in this next decade. But it's it's complicated, and we haven't uh, we haven't done well learning how to process our wounds and grief, um, and yeah, that's partly why um, I and many others are are finding uh, gravity in conversations and receptive ears to what does this look like. But you know, here here's the cool thing: this gets transferred outside the church too, as, as I've discovered the goodness of God and how Jesus can set people free. I, I'm finding way more opportunities than I have before to release the presence of Christ to people beyond the walls of the church in a myriad of ways where the front door to the gospel for them is taste, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, even before they'd be interested in hearing a verbal witness of what Jesus has done for them. It seems like that's in the back seat. It still needs to be in the car. But for many people outside of Christian faith, um, I think these days uh, the front door is going to be increasingly women and men, younger and older, who have discovered that Jesus is way better than they knew, that he's more accessible than they knew, and that can translate some of their own experience of the power of God, even in a moment, so that people who do not yet know Christ can experience healing or the peace of God in the midst of their fear, even if it's momentary, 
And I have noticed people are much more interested to have the answer, the, the question to the answer. How did that happen? <laughs> well, let me tell you, his name is Jesus and he really loves you a lot. Yeah, we're in interesting times for sure. A lot of things are shifting. And um, I, th I think the future um, belongs to people who are intercessors. I think to people who believe that God can do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. But that will mean saying goodbye to some dreams that perhaps we had that maybe we thought were of God, but, you know, he doesn't operate linearly. He, he moves in the changing seasons and, and so must we. Well, that's so good, Doug. I just, it, it's amazing the hope that we, we have in Christ and the, uh, I even think of just the people that live near me, um, just their hearts longing for for only what God can provide, and and what a crucial moment it is for us as leaders to to be functioning out of that place of of hope and life in our own self, so that we can can shine that love to other people. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just curious, Doug, if there I you shared a personal story, but I'm just wondering from all of your years of ministry and all of your years of working with people and and seeing it, do you have a few testimonies of kind of how you've seen the hope and healing of Jesus transform a person's life? Hmm. Yeah, I've got so many, I got so many stories of how God transformed lives. I, I got a text from a good friend in the Edmonton area, and um, she has a family member who, distant family member, doesn't know Christ. And apparently the baby, uh, the uh, the infant in, in utero um, was, uh, had no real signs of life. And medical community were encouraging to terminate the baby. And this friend of ours who, who learned how to pray in the authority that every believer has, so not begging Jesus to do anything, but in Jesus' name, may, may the healing presence of Christ rest on that baby. Well, it turns out there's signs of life on this kid and will likely come to term. And, and, and that's, uh, that's, that's just a, uh, another believer discovering that Jesus is way better than he, than he knows. This past weekend, Terry and I led a Holy Spirit encounter in a church in Calgary um, based on indications in the room. I think 30 people got healed. And I think Terry and I prayed for two people. And most of this were lay people praying for lay people. So that, that's our heart is like seeing the body of Christ being equipped to do the works of Jesus. So, I, you know, there's just stories after stories. And on my team, more and more of us are finding ways that God leads us to start uh, disciple making communities in our own neighborhoods using a framework called the discovery Bible studies. So it's less so how do I drag someone to my church, which I'm not against that, but for my neighbors, that would be a cross-cultural leap. But in my living room and their living rooms, we're, we're starting to see uh, faith exploring communities multiply. And that's the empowerment of the spirit, putting people together and whispering his plans and uh, his power that accompanies that sort of thing. So, yeah, you know, you ask these questions and, you know, I'm, I guess I'm supposed to be an expert or something like that because I've written a couple of books, but I, I don't, I, this isn't false humility when I say, I, I feel like I've got infinitely more to learn in front of me than what I've learned. And to anyone listening to the podcast, that'd be my primary counsel, encouragement to you. Like whatever Jesus has done in you, it's but a drop in the bucket compared to what your future can hold. But it means we have a posture of humility, check the ego at the door, inviting Jesus to the deeper places, um, the inner being, deep transformation. If you want deep empowerment, you got to go for deep transformation.
If you if you pursue empowerment alone, it history would say it quickly leads to idolatry. But if you if you pursue deep transformation, Jesus will also accompany that with his deep empowerment and will protect us from um, idolizing just the things we can do for God. Well, we want to uh, we do this on each of our podcasts and want to we just believe it is a spirit empowered uh, leader podcast. And we just want to give space for the spirit to speak uh, to everyone that's listening, whether they're in their car right now, watching on YouTube, at the gym, wherever they would, they would get this. And we just want to give a few moments. So we just believe that the encounter of Holy Spirit, though, if we were in the same room together, uh, he wants to encounter them in a fresh way. Um, their leadership, where they're at, where they're, whether it's a mom in her home with the kids running around going, okay, how do I lead my home? How do I lead what you've called me to do? Or it's, or it's a dentist in their office or it's a pastor. We, we just want to invite uh, the presence of Jesus and Holy Spirit. And so I want to ask you to pray for us. If there's something you sense, would you just pray uh, what you just kind of shared with us today and, uh, and we'll just see yeah. what, what the Lord would do? Yeah, you bet. Let's pray. Yeah, we thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus. You are way better than we know. Uh, you are far more infinite than we know, far more powerful, compassionate, holy, and just than we can ever know. And it blows our minds that you would even pay attention to us. What is what is man and woman that you are mindful of us? And for anyone here listening or watching this podcast, uh, I'd like to lead you in a little bit of a prayer. And it, it might go something like this, Dear Jesus, I invite you into the deepest places of my soul, to the yet-to-be-redeemed places, the still shadowy places. And I invite your light as a friend and not an intruder. And I invite you to transform me by your spirit in my inner being so that Christ can live even more brilliantly in my life. And so, Holy Spirit, to each that has given your invitation, that has uh, given you invitation, that has opened the door, the highway to even the deeper work of God in them for freedom or empowerment, Holy Spirit, have your way and reveal Jesus to them. Will you manifest your kindness through dreams, through vision, through pointing them to the right scriptures, to the right conversations, to the right relationships, to the right times with you where you will break through. And I pray for all that have invited you, Lord, that you would increase their hunger, which is an act of faith. And we know faith is a gift. So in Jesus' name, may faith abound in the listeners here and hunger for holy God to come and transform us even more to look and smell like Jesus, that we would walk in your empowerment, in your contentment, in your abundance, and that our lives would be uh, just a light post, an outpost for the kingdom of God in making disciples that make disciples. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Doug, thank you so much. This was so rich and we could keep going for another hour because there's just so many things that we start talking a little, little bit here and a little bit there and we could just expand on each one of those. We'll have to have you back, but just such an honor to um, just have you share with us today. And and can you tell us a little bit how we could get your books? I know I've, I've bought a few of your books and I've given them away to leaders and friends and uh, how can we get more info and more of your books? Uh, for more info, you can go to rekindle.tv. It's chock full of resources for renewal and, and mission, disciple-making, uh, blogs, podcasts, et cetera. Um, and then also dougbalzer.com uh, is like an author page, and there's more information on the books if you want to check some things out there. Where to find the books? Just about anywhere online, including Amazon and Chapters Indigo. Uh, wherever you have it, can put a credit card, I'm sure there's someone who can take it for you. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sure I speak for a lot of us listening today, just how much we appreciate you, your ministry, your vulnerability, and how you lead from that place of uh, teachability and wanting to grow and learn yourself. And uh, yeah, I just, I really value this time. Well, you're Thank both you good so men. Thanks for the invite. Real my pleasure to be with Insurgents again. Well, that was such a, an incredible, rich conversation, Donovan, eh, with Doug and just so appreciate him. Um, he has just become a friend and love his heart, love his vulnerability um, for a leader um, of his stature. Um, he, he's leading in, in leading a denomination and a part of that leadership team and, and leading that district and, and just his heart for renewal, his heart for um, solid biblical truth, but to empower leaders and to raise up leaders I mean, I think he said it, you know, in your 50s, 60s, kind of in that season, you're looking at legacy. What am I leaving behind? And um, I've been blessed by his books and and just um, just who he is and how he how he lives his life and leads others in that. Um, I, I don't know a lot of people giving on ramps right now in the body for deliverance and for healing of the heart like Doug and Terry are. Yeah, that was that was amazing. I feel like I was drinking from a fire hose for a lot of that conversation. Uh, but I know that it was just such amazing things. And hopefully for those of you who are listening and watching, it was really helpful for you too. Um, but yeah, this whole this whole wholeness and healing thing is such a it's so important. And I'm I'm hoping that it starts to be talked about more in churches, especially amongst leaders. I just think it's it's so important. Yeah, I think I think the one thing I would probably take away from today's conversation. And, and, and I think we know this, and if you've read any leadership books, and this isn't a profound spirit-led thing, but the, the fact in, in, in leadership is you have to be teachable. And I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that humility to just go, I'm on my journey. I don't have it figured out. I've done some healing, but I need more healing. I need God to show me. I can learn from anyone. And, uh, you know, I just need to learn and grow, and God's going to use me but I'm going to be teachable. I don't know. What's one thing you, you gained from today, Donovan? One of the things that I was really um, kind of encouraged and challenged by was how Doug talked about how he's raising up people to carry on what, what he wants to see happening in local churches. I think he used the language of I'm releasing an army of people who have a heart to see people come to wholeness. And, and it just inspired me as a leader because I, 
I thought about how it's easy for us to kind of do the work of the people, but as leaders, we're called to equip people to do that work. And it just made me think about multiplication and how as we grow as healthy leaders, we can empower others as healthy leaders and they can empower others. It's kind of like a multiplication thing. So I was just really inspired by by that reality. And and what a cool story of how it wasn't the, the people that Doug and Terry, his wife, prayed for that got healed. Was the, they did get healed too, but it was the people that were you know participating that that saw God move in amazing ways. It's just cool how empowering others to walk in this has that downstream effect. It's so cool. Yeah. And I think it's really important to be reminded. Sometimes we can see, you know, Doug's a pastor. He, he He's in that sphere of influence, but this is not just for pastors or ministers or people that would travel and speak or missionaries. It's for, it's for everyone. It's for every single one of us. You know, I think of so many of our resurgence community over the years where we've done times of, of inner healing or times where we've said, okay, what's the wound? What's the thing? And I'm thinking of business people that have then taken it into their workplace, into their business, and it's impacted how they operate. The identity that now as a son, they're very different. And they go, hey, I used to operate out of my wounds. I used to, but now I'm aware that, that Christ has come into those and he's healed my heart in that area. And so I used to be all about mm. success and promotion. And now I want to see others promoted. I want to I want to raise up others. I, I want to impact. It's not just about my bottom line and how much money I'm taking home. It's about everyone who works for me and how uh, they're living their life and how they're being able to go home earlier because they're getting paid more and they're being able to spend time more with family and, and all these, these things that trickle down, don't they? Like, like if you're healthy, if I'm healthy, it trickles to everyone around us, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's just, uh, yeah, like I agree. It's not just for church leaders. It's not just for people that are in ministry. All of us, we, when we lead out a wholeness, I think people notice that they see something different about us. You know, I used to think, and vulnerability, I think it, it's it's being vulnerable mm-hmm. and to get to wholeness, I found you got to go through that vulnerable thing. And I, I remember driving with some dear friends of ours and I was about to speak on vulnerability and share something about my journey that was so vulnerable and how God was healing my heart in some areas of of, of just woundedness. And, and I was going to share this publicly for the first time. And I remember saying to them, I feel like I'm getting in front of everyone and I'm going to be so naked. And they said, actually, um, vulnerability and what you're going to do makes you a leader that we want to follow. And, and, mm. it, and, it, and it was the part that I was sharing this and I was being real and honest. And, and for me, it felt naked and I felt like I'm taking my clothes off in front of everyone. This is embarrassing. And yet it was the thing that has caused people to say, no, that's, that's why we follow you as a leader. <laughs> and, 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 mm-hmm. and it was this, this realization that, Hey, Christ has redeemed my story. And, and I grew up where I used to, I used to not share a lot. I would almost like one of my bosses goes, it's like a smoke show with you, a fog machine, like turn on you, you answer, but you don't really say much. And God had to redeem this mm-hmm. part. And I had to have a, you know what? It came from, hurt and I didn't want to expose myself, you know, because vulnerability is allowing others to actually see you. And that was a key for my journey in in this journey of wholeness. And and I'm still still on it, but I, I just felt 
vulnerability has to be so key and not just vulnerable for being vulnerable is it Donna? it's not like just just exposing for being but it's vulnerability to show how christ redeems it and how he sets us free and what he sets us free for yeah exactly that's so good travis thanks for thanks for sharing that with us and it just reminds me we're on a journey and uh the great theologian shrek you know, we're like onions. There's always layers. And so you find, you'll peel back one layer, you'll find healing. And then there's another layer underneath, you find healing, another layer underneath. And when you realize that, that we're always on a journey, then being vulnerable almost becomes, it, it's almost, you're freed up to be vulnerable because you know, there's always more that you can find in what Christ wants to heal you from and in. So, yeah. <laughs> so good. And on the note of the great theologian Shrek, we are going to end today. We are so thankful that you've joined us, that you've been a part of this today. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, if this episode uh, spoke to you, if there's something that, that God had spoke to you, would you share it with someone? Would you uh, invite a friend to listen to mm -hmm. it? Would you uh, let us know? Go to liveresurgence.com and you can, you can let us know. Track with us. We have so many more episodes coming and we're just excited for what God's doing as we journey together, as we get vulnerable, as we go to the deep places of our heart and we're like, come Holy Spirit. And uh, we just bless you today as a leader that God has called. Know that he has called you. And so maybe someone's watching today and going, I don't know if I'm a leader. We break that lie. You're a leader. He's called you for such a time as this in whatever sphere he's mm -hmm. called you to be in. And so keep going. There's a leader in every chair. We call the gold out of you today. And, just, and, and bless you. Have an amazing week. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. We hope that this podcast has encouraged you as an empowered leader. This podcast is brought to you by Resurgence Initiatives. Our mandate is to revive churches, release leaders, and reach people. We are on a journey, and the dream God has put in our heart involves you. Learn more at liveresurgence.com or on Instagram at liveresurgence.